With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Way Pod Four Seventy One, uh, and it's the week the Palace have beaten West Ham Four Three in a seven-goal thriller in the early kickoff at Selhurst Park in the sunshine in beautiful South London. It was a glorious day to chat over that game with me, and it is just me, two-man pod this week. It's Jack Pierce. Jack, how you doing? Hi, Jim. Yep, yeah, very, very good. Um, just got to ride this wave. We don't. Don't get to ride these positive month-long waves as uh, as Palace fans very often. So, yeah, happy to talk about it. Sorry, listener, that it is just going to be me. We are going to try and mix it up a little bit so it's not a Q&A with Jack Pierce. <laughs> people are now turning off, actually, because that's what yeah, we're hoping I, for. I know. There are probably a few people who actually are, so apologies. <laughs> um, let's, should we get the admin out of the way? Actually, there's not much this week because there's no sponsor. Um but I would like to say, if anyone fancies sponsoring the podcast, please do get in contact, um, especially if you're a local business, because we like to try and promote local businesses slash palace supporting businesses, people in the palace family. Um, and we've got packages available. And uh, so get in contact. We can give those out to you and you can have your business read out to literally thousands of palace listeners. Um, so get in contact. Contact at fypfanzine.uk is our email address or any of the social media platforms. Uh, and I think we should do a shout out to a random patron. Should we chat? I think definitely to a random patron. Completely random. Let's do it. Ready? Here's a drum roll. It's Mr. Hang on, let me get it. I can't read it here. Rob Billington. Rob Billington. <laughs> Come on, everyone. All together now. <laughs> I still haven't heard from him. Uh, Rob, w- blink twice if you're okay. Let us know where you are. Uh, um, a, fa- a fantastic sign in the medium of audio. Yeah, please blink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I should say, last week we we read out uh, uh, a little shout for uh, Magic Chiefs, Keith Dimond, who I bumped into before the game. We'll come on to that in a bit, but that was a bit serendipitous. So maybe next week, I'm, I'm not going to Spurs, but maybe the, actually I'm not going to that one either. But next time at Sellers, maybe Rob Billington will make himself uh, known. Anyway, you can join the Patreon like Rob, Rob did. Bed- bedraggled with a, like a really long beard and like stumbling out the woods or something. <laughs> and a volleyball that he's carved a face into. Um <laughs> The patron, you can get post-match pods, uh, patron-only merchandise, and Discord club access at patron.com slash FYP podcast. Link is below uh, to do that. Um, 
as you say, riding the wave, four three win at home. Mm. Um, would you like to start with positives or negatives? Because positive game, negative getting into the game. Can we start yeah. there? Yeah, but we did. Yeah, but we had our. I mean, I speak for myself. Actually, I won't bring you into. I don't know what your drinking habits are like. I had my first beer before midday for a long time. I think I had two pints by midday, so that was pretty good. I was there with you. I know you were here. That's how much. That's how impactful they are now. Can't remember who was actually with me. Um, Eleven thirty. That's. And then yeah. we started getting messages, didn't we, from people already in the ground saying, uh, "You should hurry along now." And then we turned up off, um, yeah, off the main road, and uh, yeah, very quickly became apparent that we weren't going to be in by half past twelve, or many people weren't going to be in by half past twelve. And then getting messages saying, "You should have stayed in the pub." <laughs> Uh, it was, I mean, it was a bit of a shambles. Let, let, we've got a few questions. The first one is from uh, Magic Cheese. Uh, it says, hey, Magic. Um, hello, t- hello, Magic. Uh, can I ask how we're feeling as being addressed as customers before the game? Oh, in brackets, turnstiles, shambles. Loyal fans are just that, fans, customers. Yeah, they Yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say there's the whole argument about semantics. I mean, my dad hates being called a customer on a train, would rather be called a passenger. Yeah. Um, I get it. I get it, but I guess the club need a, a, a one term to use across the board. But fans is probably better. I'm with Magic. Yeah, hashtag fans. Well, they are, surely anyone going to a game is a fan, yes. either of the teams or of football in general. You're, you're a Yeah, body. and Jason Sudeikis and Hannah Waddingham and the whole cast of Ted Lasso, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I did not know that. I would have fanboyed a lot more if I'd known. You'd have had your agent with you. <laughs> exactly. I've been handing out my headshots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another question from S Barton 100. Hello, S yes, Barton. Uh, do the club need to seriously address the technical failabilities? That might be the first time that word's ever been on the podcast. Great word. Um, might be the first and, time that word's ever been said. And the pre-match training routines at the back. To clarify, I'm not referring to set piece defending. <laughs> we'll come on to that later. Uh, but the turnstiles and the stewarding behind the stands. It was. Um, Depends where you go in, I guess, because I guess you were at the top of the homestead. I had to go all the way down the bottom of the homestead to get through the big gates. And it, it it was, I don't like to use this word at a football match, but it was a bit of a crush. At, yeah. Thankfully, everyone was being very sensible and it was it was all kind of okay. But there was barely any stewards around. Yeah. It was a little bit of a sort of free-for-all. Yeah. Um, and then the message comes over the tunnel that the game's being delayed and, and everyone actually generally sort of burst basically burst out laughing because they said been delayed by 15 minutes. And I think most people out there realise they weren't going to get in in 15 minutes and it yeah. even be longer. Yeah, yeah. It was all a little bit, I dare I say it, TP, typical palace. Yeah, was it ground wide then? Because obviously I, I only saw it from kind of the hometown perspective, but yeah, I don't was know. it because I think I heard some West Ham or saw some West Ham fans on Twitter saying they had trouble getting in. So that made me think it was the and same for you on the main stand as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, technology is your friend until it isn't, isn't it? And I think the club will be, you know, sorry to speak so boring and corporately, but the club will be in um, quite strict conversations with whoever their supplier is to make sure that that doesn't happen again. You know, thankfully it happened far enough ahead of kickoff to ensure that they were able to move the kickoff time and um, and the majority of people were, were in by kickoff. There were still people kind of coming in within the first five minutes or so. Um so it's it's very difficult um, to manage that situation, but I do agree with you that you could have done with a, a bit more of a presence from stewards outside the ground to probably manage the the crowds because eventually crowds just start to manage themselves and that's where problems start to happen. People do start to panic. People start to fear that they're not going to get into a game that they paid good money to be in for and, and people may start to make silly decisions at that point. But thankfully, most people were quite mild-mannered and 
you know, I, I joke about having a couple of points before we got there, but most people wouldn't have had that many points if it had been a later kickoff. You dare say it might be a bit more of a problem. But, yeah, you've you got to trust the club will address that and the risk of it happening again is, is probably reduced as a result of what happened on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, turnstile, ever since I've been a season ticket holder, which goes back to 1998, on and off, um, t- uh, turnstile issues has always been. T- certainly once they brought, brought in the... Um, card systems and stuff for that's always been issues and in fact last season then was it this season last season i i missed quite a few games didn't i in fact it was this season earlier the chelsea game i, mm-hmm. I was having to and in fact i saw a picture of the the reprint queue from from saturday and it was absolute it was absolute chaos i think you, you're sort of you're at the mercy of where the the club is literally in, or the ground is in terms of of location because if palace were a brand new bowl stadium in a mm-hmm. um, industrial state then it would be an issue but obviously on the homestyle road it's quite tight you know and part lane as well so that creates issues itself as you said everyone was really sensible and it was all sort of played out um in mostly sort of good spirits really in the end but it was just i think it's just frustrating for everyone involved um and you're right i yeah there'll be some serious conversations at the club but um it's just another issue with ticketing i don't know i don't know why clubs have moved towards you know um electronic tickets and stuff and i get that but it's um it seems to keep going i don't i'm, I'm turning into sort of old man shouts at cloud and i don't want to <laughs> but um i guess with anything electronic you're going to have there's great always gremlins in a system somewhere it's so probably it's, a good thing it's probably a good thing the boys turned it on on the pitch otherwise we'd probably be talking about it even more than we yeah. we have done yeah which, which we should move on to uh because uh it was a well it was a fantastic first half wasn't it it was just um Palace playing towards the Homestale, which I know they don't like doing first half, but it paid <laughs> off. Some fantastic football, some great goals. West Ham were a shambles. Palace yeah. were a shambles at corners. I mean, it had, even though it wasn't, it had a vibe of uh, last game of the season, dead rubber. Yeah, I think um, for a lot of people, it reminded them, I think, probably because of the, the way the scoring went, um, although not identical, it reminded people of the Brighton 3-2 in Hodgson's first season. Um, but it kind of struck me, I guess, because the the wins that we've had in the couple of weeks beforehand, it kind of reminded me more of the five three Bournemouth game in yes. yeah, yeah. in that end of season. And that is really end of season vibe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a funny afternoon. Uh, I, I saw somebody refer to it. And I don't know how the stats back this up, but somebody referred to it on Twitter on Thursday or Friday last week as the uh, score first and lose derby, which um, when Thomas Suchek stands home after ten minutes, I <laughs> was assured by and thought, oh, actually. Maybe, I'd, again, with no statistical basis, I kind of reassured myself that it's going to be okay. Um, and, and again, like the Leicester game, we we respond really quickly with a really nicely worked goal. Um, shout out to Jordan Ayew. We'll come on to Jordan Ayew throughout this episode. Oh, what a man. What a guy. Um, you know, selsey has been talking about him through the middle for uh, a good couple of weeks, and he really showed that he, he probably is our best option at the moment. He has such a good game. Um, but for a man to feel so good, that he took a yellow card and took his shirt off after 15 minutes having scored an equaliser. <laughs> Jordan Ayew, I salute you. That that is that is confidence. Um has he just as he just terrible with time management and thought it was the last minute of the game and didn't Well realize. maybe maybe he thought the game kicked off at 12.30 and he saw the time was one o'clock and he thought, oh, we've been playing half an hour. But <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It, it, in terms of game management, you can imagine that you know those that are maybe slightly more bothered about that at this time of the season um would probably have words with Jordan about doing that again but it, it kind of just summed, summed the guy up he looked livid which is his happiness so it's all good lovely finish lovely assist by Michael Elise um, and then you know within another 
15 minutes from that with 3-1 up. Uh, the, the goal for Wilf was was nicely worked. And I don't know whether Wilf positioned himself in that type of angle um, and aimed to shoot where he did it. I mean, from sitting behind the goal, it looked like it was quite close to going one. I think it did come in off the post. But yeah. having seen another replay, it looks like he manipulated the ball quite nicely because if he hit it kind of naturally, it would have gone straight into Tufel's chest. So... I'm going to side on Wilf being a genius. And uh, <laughs> and then the third goal comes about from uh, Jeff Schlapp, who I think was our best player on Saturday, um, kind of doing what he did really, really well and press at the right time. And he pressed Thomas Suchek, who was in no position to receive the pass that he received. And as we said before, Jeffrey Schlapp is a really good finisher. And when he was one-on-one, I didn't really have any doubt that it wasn't going to be made 3-1. Yeah, the only difficulty was that you know, within a couple of minutes of that, they've won a, a, a soft corner and it's 3-2. They they didn't deserve to be 3-2 at half-time, no way. No. Um, and I think it was a good first 45 minutes, but actually I think we played really well throughout the whole game. And, and if we hadn't won that game, however close it was towards the end and however nervous we might have been either there or watching on, on TV, um, we, we fully warranted the three points. I mean, we really, we really should have won that game 4-0 or 4-1, and that wouldn't have been unfair at all. Um, we'll come on to, obviously, there's quite a few questions about corners, although we said off-air, didn't we? Don't really know what to say about corners, because we're not set-piece coaches in a Premier League club, so don't let them in would be ideal, and I'm sure that the club are, wor- are working on that. Um, the the first one in particular, I hadn't appreciated till you know, it often happens when you go back and watch match today, you pick up on more little things, like Wolf's goal, for example, you're absolutely right, from my angle in the main stand, looked like it was completely empty goal and easily prodded in. I didn't realise how close it went to the yeah, post. You're right, actually. Maybe he did try and angle it. Maybe not. Who knows? But um, it was a bit, a lot tighter. The, but the first, the West Ham goal, mm. the check one, I hadn't appreciated that Elise essentially heads it straight across goal. What is he doing? And people on Twitter, <laughs> people on Twitter, I think it was Julian actually in one of our groups, but uh, after our second goal went, like three assists for Elise. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he is the assist is he king. talking about? But it was, what I mean, <laughs> What was I, he doing? I, I don't know. If you watch that, the first phase of the um, of the second goal, I think it is, uh, Elise is picking up quite a prominent threat in the box. Like, he's being given responsibility in the box. And I think we saw with the giveaway of the penalty against City uh, in March, and we've seen with this, that perhaps he's not as cool as in his own box as he is yeah. in, in the opposition box. And I, and I do wonder whether... You know, this guy's 21, 22. He needs coaching on, on that type of thing. And it's 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 no criticism of him that he's not a polished defender of set pieces. It's just quite surprising that he's being given that level of responsibility. But yeah, that was an absolute shocker from him for the first goal. Um, uh, but yeah, he very quickly made up for it. But yeah, he, there is something about his um, his calmness in, in our own third compared to the opposition third. Well, you, I mean, you, you'll take it. You, you, to be honest, he's the sort of player where he could score a... I know a bicycle own goal and I'd still be happy because you know he's going to go and do something down the other end. He just got that about him and he was absolutely yeah. superb as were many of our players. It's a lovely assist for the RU goal. And he does, I don't think he technically gets the assist for the Wolf goal, but it was obviously... Took a couple of ricochets. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it counts. Yeah. But he was, he was superb. And I, and I wonder actually with him, like, and again, I'm not a Premier League... I don't know I have to keep stipulating that. It's very obvious. <laughs> Listeners are going to be surprised. <laughs> what, Jim? I thought you were. <laughs> um... That I wonder if sometimes maybe players like that, he's so mercurial. Players like that can be overcoached in a way sometimes. So maybe you well, don't want to coach some of that. Yeah. You're right about that, except he's defending. Obviously, that's different. But sometimes 
you don't want to mould those players too much. You want to let them sort of do their thing. He might relish that responsibility. He might be asking to be in the mix. He might be. And and actually, I think one area of Michael Lise's game that we haven't really talked about, aerially, he's actually not bad. He gets from throw-ins on the right-hand side. He very often is winning flick-ons against defenders. And uh, I've, I've noticed that in recent weeks. And so maybe it's that aerial ability that, that Roy and Ray have, have seen in recent weeks and said, okay, you're going to be part of our kind of core defensive group. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on from that first West Ham goal. There's enough pos- Palace positivity to, to talk about them, focus on that. We talk about, um, well, well, we'll do winners and losers later, of course, like we normally do. We might have to do a few each to make up for uh, just being a two-man pod. I suspect IU pops up then. Schluck definitely will. I mean, just on the goal really quickly. I completely agree. He's a fantastic finisher. He really should be scoring, net, thanks to his new positioning now, of 10 yards further forward, five or six of those kind of goals a yeah. season because he's got the all the qualities to do that. He's so strong. He's yeah. pacey and he can finish. He could be a real threat. And actually, it's really lovely that we're talking positively about Jeff Schlupp. Uh, I know obviously <laughs> we, 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 we owe it to him. <laughs> well, no, but like, for the, consistently. Because normally yeah. it's, oh, Schlupp's been great this week. Schlupp's yeah, been yeah. terrible. But he has yeah. genuinely been consistently really, really good for us recently. And that is just, it's, it's really lovely to see because we all know he's got the qualities. Very um, much so. And in fact, actually, when you look at sort of, when it's, when it's him scoring uh, or IU, as it has been in the last few weeks, those are, we love seeing Wolf score goals, obviously, and, and Ebb's got a penalty. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, and Ebb's coming back in the goals the last few weeks is great. But there's something about Schlupp and IU scoring goals that just, you're so pleased for them. And you can see even they're doing a bit of an, yeah, F you in the celebration. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a little extra sort of, um, as Chris Eubanks would say, sort of a bit of spice added to it. Well, they must be very relieved that things have turned for them a little bit because I'm sure they 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 were appreciating themselves that their form was not where they wanted it to be. And, and they would probably sense that fans weren't particularly pleased to see them on the, on the team sheet. I think, you know, let, let's give Roy credit for the impact he's had on those two particular players, but it's not just, it's not just Schluppy and, and Jordan. I am, and I'll give my first, it won't be the last of this episode. First name to uh, name check to Joel Ward, who was brilliant. On, on Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't deny myself any longer. It was, it was just brilliant to see him. So, kind of advanced at times, but also so um, so convicted in his defending. Like, there were elements of of the game, in, particularly in the second half, where there was just no competition for him. He was just winning everything aerially. Aerially, he was so good. He was yeah. brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. And I do think that's probably why he's got the edge on Klein. I, I don't actually know if Klein was on the bench on uh, on Saturday, but I think that's why he's got the edge on Klein at the moment with Roy and Ray. I think that aerial ability um, in in open play, maybe set pieces, is, is a different matter. But he was just excellent. He outsprinted Saeed Ben Rama, who'd come on as a substitute with ease after about seventy five minutes, and the whole the whole of the ground just kind of applauded him, and it was just a great moment. And and he's another one who who you know, despite years in the game, he's thirty three now has benefited from maybe a little bit more love from, from the coaching staff. And, and I'm delighted to see it. Um, but yeah, just going back to Jeff very quickly, um, he was part of a midfield three who, you know, were pitched up against Declan Rice, Lewis Paqueta and and Thomas Suchek. You know, I don't know what the nominal value of Thomas Suchek in the market right now is, but they signed Paqueta for, hun- uh, sorry, for 40 million. And they're quoting, you know, 100 to 120 million for price with one year left in his contract. And I thought midfield-wise, we absolutely dominated them for for large chunks of the game. So yeah, kudos to uh, to Jeff, um, Czech Decora, who we'll, we'll talk about as well, and Ebbs in that midfield three because they they really won that battle on Saturday. Completely agree. I mean, it, it, it was 
just over a year ago that were West Ham or more like what 14 months West Ham came to sell us and Declan Rice ran the game yeah at 3-2 and he yeah. was absolutely superb and and uh really Palace kept him quiet really I mean he he was in a couple of nice moments yeah a couple of nice moments but team trying to get yeah. things going but no I thought they were superb let's come on to Ebbs because obviously he, he uh wins the I say wins in inverted commas gets the penalty uh, and then steps up and takes it. It was a lovely, lovely take. Um, S. Barton again, who I think, as you said off air, is going to become the third panellist this week. So we've got so many questions. <laughs> uh, we were in the White House Lane right in front of the SA penalty. Didn't expect the penalty to be given when I saw it. Even less convinced, having watched the replay. Shall we file that one under these things, even then themselves out over the course of the season and try not to laugh? have to admit, I mean, it's down the other end for me, but in real time, I thought, oh yeah, it could, uh, looks like a penalty. Sort of the way his body's sort of gone. Um, yeah, I'm. VAR is having a mad couple of months, and it's another one where you can't really qu- added to the Jota thing from Sunday, where how he's yeah. not got sent off. I don't know. Um, you genuinely wonder sometimes what they're looking at when they go and see them, because I, I, I'd have been very disappointed if that was given against us having seen the replay. Yeah, it was. It was so peculiar because it was. Um... So definitive the decision from Craig Pawson that you just thought, oh, it must be Stonewall. And then you see it again, and you're thinking, okay, we, we may well have had a touch there. I mean, I agree, Rob Rob mentioned this on the post-match pod. I, I do think we don't really give enough credit to the speed at which these players are moving. So any any brush, any push yeah. is gonna have an issue with balance. But even with that in mind, I still think it was it was quite soft. Um but what's amazing is that's Jared Gillett, who is kind of the poster boy for oh, yeah. Bar, because he, you know, he he was such a good demonstrator of it in in the A League, and I think you're right. I think it's just kind of t- testament to how misused Var is currently. So oh, up to this point of the season, where you know only four games to go, but yeah, it's um, it's not being utilised as as we were told it was going to be utilised, and I would be if a West Ham fan, I would be a little bit miffed that that was not overturned, but. Maybe it's that kind of balance of, well, it's given, so you've got to trust the referee. He's seen it live at real speed, and he's given it, and actually it's not enough to say that's a clear and obvious error. So It's one of those where, actually, if there wasn't VAR and they reviewed it on match today, I could see people going, hmm, okay, bit yeah. tough, but you can see why. But with VAR, I think it adds a whole new level to well, the now you Exactly. You have this extra level of, um, of judiciary, basically, and it's the appeal process, and the appeal process just seems to not really be giving anything so yeah bizarre but i mean it pales into insignificance compared to the oliver skip diogo jota one from 24 hours later so and yeah. to be fair we probably should have had a penalty for wilf being wrestled to the ground. i haven't seen that one back oh. but i i know what people are talking about and it I, I did wonder that that came right at the end of the first half didn't it yeah i think so yeah so it was one of those where i was thinking is craig pulsing and ask the players to hold on the pitch for a moment while that's checked but the players dispersed quite quickly so I presumed it being checked quite quickly and um and nothing doing but yeah at the time I did think it was it looked more of again you know with that being right in front of me and the the Ebbs one not being right in front of me but that probably was the clearer shout of the two um comparing the two of them but anyway the penalty was given um I thought it's quite interesting that Wilf um didn't take it I think he was still feeling the effects of that rather crude challenge from uh, uh Sufau and then therefore um he wasn't really in a position to to take a penalty and they've took stepped up and, and took responsibility, put it away really nicely. Um, and at that point I thought, okay, we're going to probably go on here and, and win this quite comfortably. And then, yeah, the third of theirs was probably the, the clumsiest, a lot of them, the first ball looping up and 
and there being a, a a touch at the end. I think there was some discussion as to whether that was a handball by um, Aged, but they couldn't definitively tell whether it was or not. So therefore, the yeah. decision stood. But anyway, we got there in the end, and I'm delighted. Um, I love the way you thought that even at four two, having been a Palace fan for a good. 30 years that uh, we'd go on and win this game. We were, we were so comfortable on the ball though, Jim. We we're so comfortable on the ball. You know, got three midfielders who are right at the top of their game right now. Um, you know, got got a threat at the top of the pitch with, with Jordan I linking the play so nicely. I did think we would open them up. Things did change a little bit when, when Wilf went off. Um, you know, let's quickly mention, you know, often it's so funny, isn't it? We just take Wilf for granted so often, even on this pod. Um, you know, he, uh, he doesn't get the praise. He, he probably just he was excellent. You know, there's a guy who's not played a game for for what's four weeks, I think, and he comes on as and impacts a Premier League game to that degree so quickly. It's just it's just unbelievable. And, and you know, whatever happens with him, whether he leaves this summer, whether he leaves in five years' time, or ten years, however however long he wants to play for Crystal Palace, we're never going to appreciate Wilf until he's not playing for us. Ten years' time, I'd love to see a forty year old Wilf. Well, I don't know. He looks after himself. He, he looks he better than ever physically. He looks better That's than ever. True. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just back on the refs really quickly, the the Jared I didn't realise it was Jared Gillett um and VAR in general. Should they be would you like to listen to them mic'd up like in the same way that sort of like NFL refs are and stuff? Uh-huh. Do you actually think that would, that would like make things worse? Or do you think that would make people at least understand the decisions even if they're um, I mean if it, if it was one or if it was one of that or listening to Dermot Gallagher on a Monday morning, I'd listen to the live audio from the referees because that's just a waste of time Dermot Gallagher, Dermot Gallagher. Decide, someone does a really lovely little edit didn't they on of of the the Harland on face, boot in the face of um Anderson versus the Jota one he's basically like said the exact opposite things with the oh, identical I th- decision I thought you were going to say he can't decide his accent because he actually speaks naturally with a very broad Dublin accent but oh, speaks yeah yeah Go and listen to that listen. It's very interesting. His media voice and then the real and then the real Dermot Gallagher. Yeah. Well, this is my media voice as well, so I do understand. Yeah, yes. I'm actually all yes. have a very thick Dublin accent as well, <laughs> but I hide it well. Um but no, he yeah, I mean that's another palace link, isn't it? The the Harland tackle on that Anderson early in the season. But um I don't know about VAR. Do we want to, it probably would help in in the you know, the ever ever um, ongoing analysis of the previous weekend's decision, it probably would help if we heard, you know, particularly now if managers like Jurgen Klopp are going to come and allege Paul Tierney said something in particular to him. Anyway, we don't need to get onto Jurgen Klopp because I think you and I have already intimated on many occasions what a tosser that man is. But anyway, um... <laughs> I'm not even editing that. That's, That's outrageous. That is outrageous. What he it's, did on Sunday is absolutely deflection. outrageous. It's deflection. It's complete deflection tactics because his team's still a mess, even though they're a waste of time. But it's it's un- it's it's unacceptable. It's complete that plus the touchline stuff. It is completely unacceptable. Um, he's a bully. He's just a bully, and 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 he's manipulative, and he's just yeah. But what, it's seeing how quickly his reputation has turned, seeing live karma like that, that was quite something though. That yeah, was live, I completely agree. <laughs> completely agree. Anyway, that, we're, we're drifting off the point, but no, I am. Um, I, I do think uh, it probably would help, but I, whether or not I would consume audio files provided by PJMOL, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, 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 it's been so bad recently. I wonder if they will tweak it slash. Do you want to listen? Do you, but, or... but what? I don't know. No, I mean, I just... bar in general, I don't think might. Well, no, they're never going to get rid of it. But they're never going to get rid of it. But <laughs> the idea of of people listening to, you know, audio clips of David Coote talking to Andy Madley. I mean, <laughs> it's just people would listen. 
people would probably pay for it. The worst probably. thing is, the worst thing is you'll hear, your worst thing is you'll hearing how they address each other. So it'll be like, all right, coots. Uh, all right, man, let's oh, And that'll be God. the worst thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, one more question before part one is out because we're already oh. at 27 minutes. I feel like we don't need a third person. This, this is easy. <laughs> Apparently uh, not. I'm sure that's not what the listeners say. <laughs> Bloody hell, you two. Um, PC Wires. Hello, PC. Hey, PC Wires. Uh, has it finally finished? This added time has been going on a while. I assume PC is talking about our palace officially safe. Um, oh, I thought he was talking about the injury time going on forever. That's how I'm taking it. When I saw wow, the question, I've interpreted that. Wait, no, you're right. There was it was eight minutes, wasn't it? It went on for nearly nine minutes, added wow. on time, and I don't really know how Craig Paulson was justifying that. Can't remember whether there was a, a prolonged injury within the injury time or whether injury time started later because there was an injury. But either way, that, yeah. either way, um, when uh, Saeed Ben Rama chucked an awful cross, he had a particularly awful forty-five minutes when he came on. Um, but when he chucked that cross long and Craig Paulson blew the whistle. I think uh, everybody was very relieved because, as I said, the win was fully justified and we got what we deserved out of that game. Shall we translate PC's question the other way? Would you like to, to do that or save that for a different part? I think mathematically we need Forrest or Everton to drop one more point this season, so mathematically it's not done. But, I mean, I was very, very happy after the Southampton win when we yeah. when we went a few weeks ago, Jim. So, um, yeah, I think even Roy began his post-match press conference by stating, before you ask any questions, it's done. So, look, if Roy's happy, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the motif I have throughout my house. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. Ta- tattooed on your... No, no, that is... Well, okay. my love for Roy Hodgson does uh, no no boundaries, so quite possibly. But, um, yeah, he, he considers it done. That was a massive win. Um, not only did it kind of extend our distance from the relegation zone it keeps West Ham in the in the middle yeah. between us and there um and they've got a pretty interesting couple of weeks you know I think a lot of West Ham fans thought if they win on on Saturday they could focus on on AZ Alkmaar in the Europa Conference League and uh truth be told they are not safe yet I think there are three worst teams in them you know Southampton are pretty much gone yeah um Leicester versus Everton last night was you know very very nerve-wracking for both sets of fans um, Leeds, I mean, I mean, there is a Palace link there, and the Allardyce is somehow still a thing. Um, it's unbelievable. He hasn't actually um, got that job yet, is he? But it's just, it's just. Don't think so. <laughs> I heard on Five Live driving this evening that um, Sammy Lee won't be able to join him because he's on jury service. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Kelly Cates was winding me up, but that's what she said on Five Live. Um, so that, be that's the most Sammy Lee slash Sammy Allardyce. I could, I could hundred percent believe that. Yeah, well, you know, it's quite possible. Um, but yeah, so Leeds down there, Forest down there. West Ham are probably safe. I don't think, truly speaking, West Ham really need any more points, but they would probably like a few more points to make sure that they do get over the line themselves rather than rely on others. But yeah, it's very nice to be looking at that relegation battle from an afar now, isn't it? Yeah, a, f- a footballer doing jury service is very interesting. I, I imagine they'd be taking this sort of one piece of evidence at a time. <laughs> you think they're giving typical football answers when they're deliberating in the jury room? Exactly, no. yeah. Well, I think the boys we done well. They're under pressure, but <laughs> I mean, technically, it's illegal. Technically, it's illegal, but yeah, it's fine lines. It's all fine lines. <laughs> anyway, um, we do have a question about relegation. Which I have to say for part two, um, I think forty points. I think rarely does a team come back from forty points. So I think we are, yeah. and given forty points plus the run in last four games, I think something 
crazy would have to happen. Um, I don't think we need to answer that question about relegation. I think everyone listening to this is feeling very, very positive about where we are. It was more about who. It's more about who would we like to see go down. Oh right, okay. From Russell Levy of the remaining candidates, who do the board want to see go? I assume they think panel or not. Who does Steve Parrish want to see go? Do they think we are part of the board at Crystal Palace? Russell, I mean, I'd love to be. Yeah. Um, Joe but, Ward would have numerous statues already if we were the board. Just, um, uh, be like uh, Anthony Gormley sculpture in Southport, the kind of Iron Men coming out the sea. It just would be Joel Ward throughout the whole of. <laughs> it wouldn't even just be. It wouldn't just be on the ground. It'd just be throughout South London, to be honest. Well, but, say, yeah. As you walk up Homesdale Road, just numerous Joel Wards. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, let's answer that very quickly. Southampton are done. I don't think they're even. Yeah, that's any... what Russell says. Southampton done. Um, Look, I know there's a lot of Palace fans, and I mean a lot, that would love to see Everton go. Personal affiliation with, with Everton, with my family, with my dad. I mean, I, I don't really want to watch my dad go through that. But actually, for the benefit of the club, I do think they could probably do with going down. And I think having the game against Leicester last night, that was one of the most do-not-lose games I've ever seen a Premier League team have. I think if Leicester had won that, Everton would be gone. I still think they'll get a result from somewhere. I think Leeds will struggle. I listened to a, a, a Leeds blogger earlier on. They're convinced they're done. Yeah, I um, think Leeds are in trouble. Well, I, I can't remember who they've got. I think they've got West Ham, which is a massive game. And they've also got Spurs. And you never know what you're going to get with Spurs, as we'll talk about at the end of this pod. Um, Forrest is the other one. I mean, the, the truth be told, I think Forrest are going to have to come to Selhurst and get something on the last day of the season, yeah. which makes our season still you know, worth something on the last day of the season. And normally you know, what it won't... when teams have to do that against us at Selhurst? Exactly. Say no more. Yeah. Say no more. So, yeah, I, I think it will be, if I was to name three, I think it would be Leeds, Southampton. I think it will be Everton, but I could see it being Forrest. I completely agree. Completely agree. I think Leicester yeah. have got enough goals in that team to, yeah. to get out of it. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, which is the same three that Russell agrees with. Um, oh, there you anyway, go. let's end part one there. We've done a few questions. We'll do some more after the break and uh, we'll see if uh, S Barton 100 can get another one. My brother in law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. 
an agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Family Plan Podcast. We pulled four seventy one. It's question time, and as we're mix, mixing things up, Jack, uh, would you like to do the honours with the first question? Oh, I would be honoured. Um, I'll start the questions. We'll go. We'll play a game of tennis with the questions. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Okay. okay all right. Uh, well, let's start with a couple about Jordan Ayew. Um He's having a very good time of it. So Toby Kinder asks, how right am I to have been ruthlessly consistent in my support for the Ghanaian king, Jordan Ayew? And Matt Tully, is Jordan Ayew potentially our player of the season? Highs and lows, yet still a consistent workhorse, versatile, and when needed, a goal scorer and created. Uh, sorry, goal scorer and creator. God, it's tough asking these questions, Jim. <laughs> oh, my word. No, not as easy as it looks, is it? Go on, what do you think, Jim? Um, first question, absolutely correct. Yes, I think uh, I think we should all have whatever whatever he said. Consistent love for Jordan Ayew. Um, second question, uh, actually, go back to the first one quickly. I think I've 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 often in the past had a sort of ironic love of Jordan Ayew because um, I think we all know he's quite limited. Um, and when he's done well, it's been like oh, Jordan's done well, kind of thing. But I think actually it's time for us to stop ironically loving Jordan Ayew and actually 100% get behind him because he is fantastic. Does so much for the team. He yeah. does have quality. Yeah, he's not an Ebbs. He's not an Elise. He's not a Wilf. But he can produce moments of quality. But his everything we know he's good for is so effective. And you know he's a Roy kind of player. And mm-hmm. that's not that's not a using an insulting way to eat either of them. Um, and he's just been fantastic last few games. And yeah, player of the year. Uh, wouldn't have been who I first thought of, but it may, maybe uh, uh, given the recent run, in fact, given just the sort of the consistent six, seven out of 10 that he gives the team every <clears> time he plays, I, I, maybe he has to be in the running for player of season. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Jordan. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give my two pennies worth in a moment, but if Jordan, I ends his career as a multiple player of the season, winner at Crystal Palace, it's going to blur a few people's minds. But would it be unfair? Probably. I think there are better contenders for this season. I think he's had a very good April, but there were elements of his form this season where he has not perhaps performed to the level that he's playing at right now, whereas others have probably been a little bit more consistent. So I would, in terms of the second question, I probably would swear. But, you know, he's got another four games to prove me wrong. You know, who knows? At least they would probably be a bit disappointed if he doesn't win it. Well, at least Mark Gay, Chet Decore, Jurkham Anderson, Vicente Guaita. I think, you know, it's it's been an interesting season because it's been such a chaptered season in that there have been so many you know, ups and downs throughout the season. Um, the players' forms have kind of gone up and down with that kind of team progress as it's gone. So, Jordan, I, he, he's certainly a contender, but he, he's not probably in my top probably in my top five, to be honest. But, in, I mean, let's just speak broadly about Jordan. I, bloke costs us £2 million. He's, I think he's about to reach 200 club appearances for Palace. Um 
technically, I think, yes, he, he's not as gracious on the ball. Gracious? Graceful. <laughs> gracious. He's not as happy to receive the ball. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. What a wonderful pass. <laughs> he's not as uh, as uh, graceful on the ball as, as a Michael Elise or a, a Eberiche, um Eze, but Eze, Eze, I must, Ebs. Um, yeah. But technically, some of the times he gets the ball in such close proximity to defenders and yet he still maintains control of the ball. And I just don't think, you know, he gets the the praise for that enough. So yeah, I've got a lot of time for Jordan Ayew. It's funny. I had a weird exchange with, with the guy next to me who I have an interesting relationship with, you know, I think we, we come watching Palace from different angles sometimes, but he was very, very forthright in his praise of Jordan Ayew in the second half on, uh, uh, on, on Saturday. And and rightly so, he was absolutely brilliant. I did. I kind of laughed because there have been times where he's been very much at the opposite end of that spectrum when it comes to Jordan Ayew. And he looked at me dead in the eye and went, I've always loved Jordan Ayew. <laughs> and I kind of thought, fine, you, you can have it. You can have it. We all know that's not true, but you can have it. Because right now he's 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 been great. And um, I, I do think um, very much the, the church of Selsey here, I, I think he should be through the middle between now and the end of this season. And oh, considered... Did, yeah. And considered that for next season as well. I think he should be considered the number that he wears on his back for next season. I think there are enough options wide, whether they currently play for Crystal Palace or not, for us to kind of supplement the squad there for Jordan Ayew to be a focal point of our kind of central striking group. I mean that is very interesting. And I think I I think I agree. It would they'd have to it would they'd have to sign some absolute I was going to say baller, but I never realised that I'm 39 this year. Um, but some a very a real certain type of striker that does a lot of different jobs to play that role. And if they can't, and that those kind of strikers are kind of unicorns for a club like Palace, yeah. Um, then I think I'm not saying he's your starter, Jim, but I'm I'm saying that he is your maybe your your second number nine uh, behind someone who we might have to go out and spend money for this summer. Yeah, but that person might not be available. It might not be. Might not be, and, and then we doesn't let us down. And, and you're so right about the sort of wriggling out of tight space. The way he uses his body to shield the ball, I think you know, outside of Wilf, might be the best at the club. I mean, there was a moment in the second half where there was a bouncing ball, and he went up with uh, Agued, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, both their centre backs are obviously units, um, and just had no right to win, no right to win it whatsoever, and used his strength to 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 win that ball. Um, and he has a real quality for doing that. And, and yeah, it's priceless at this kind of level. So Sorry, and you will need to beat this out, but I did laugh out loud as they came up for the corner from which they scored the third goal. And a bloke, I think maybe the row behind me or maybe two rows behind me, did refer to um, the, the West Ham players marching into our penalty area as big... I was not what I thought you were going to say. Well, I mean, it, you know, you've bleeped, that, you, you've bleeped that out. And I do think that's the most, you know, technical yeah. term. Um if certainly the crudest technical term, but not wrong. But yeah, for for Jordan Ayew to kind of hold his own at that top end of the pitch against, you know, I know Zuma didn't last very long, but Ogbonna and and Aguirre, who has impressed a lot this season, um, do make note of that, Jim, that you wanted to beat that out. Only in football, like, if you heard that phrase anywhere else on the street at the doctors, you'd be like, oh, that's a bit yeah. strong, mate. At the football, you're like, yep, no, it's quite, quite daring. Quite daring. <laughs> said, yeah. said with love. Yeah. Um, I did turn around. The guy was eight years old, but you know, it's all good. <laughs> um, let's move on. I mean, yeah, 
quite right praise of uh of you this week and may well creep up in winners and losers in a bit um let's look we've a load of questions like this we hit them every week we'll, we'll breeze through it quickly um but leaf anderson's forehead Hello, Leaf. Hi, Leaf. Uh, if we continue... Serious question, he says. If we continue to play this kind of football, would having Royal Ray for another year be such a bad thing? Gareth Richards, a.k.a. Gareth from California. Hey, Gareth. Gareth. Uh, as much as I would love Uncle Roy made... F- I would love the Uncle Roy made-for-TV movie to continue. Lovely. Uh, who is taking the helm as he rides off into the sunset? Okay, coming out from a different angle there, Gareth. Um, yeah. And Toby Kinder. Toby. Hey, Toby. Uh, two, two questions in a row. Oh dear. Uh, when we look for a permanent manager, can we identify someone experienced who can organise the defence instead of the gung ho craziness of the current temporary fella? <laughs> I like um, it. Love. I mean, obviously that is that is tongue and firmly in cheek, but obviously Leaf's question was a bit more serious. Um, we've talked about it before, haven't we? It's not. It's not going to be the club's first option. It probably wouldn't be any of the, the fans' first option. But if we get through the summer and there aren't any other good options it wouldn't be a bad fallback, but it also depends on whether they want to do it. Yeah. Lots of facets to that question, but I think your last point is probably perhaps the most pertinent. Are we actually overlooking whether Roy's interested in committing to another full season, by which point he'll he'll be 76 at the end of next season? I know the President of the United States has just said he's happy to run until he's 85, but, um, you know, let's um, <laughs> let's not push it with, with Roy. I'm still of the opinion that this you know, caretaker spell, interim manager spell, whatever you want to call it, provides a wonderful opportunity to thank Roy, not just for this spell of 10 games that he'll have looked after, but his longer four-year spell and the impact he's had. I, I still think it is right for the club and, and Roy to to part ways at the end of the season, regardless of how the rest of the season goes. But that said, with each passing week, it is becoming more tempting to kind of jump on the bandwagon of, Roy, do you want to stay? Roy and Ray, do you want to stay? I mean, I'd, we joked before we started recording tonight. This form, not just points, but goals, um, is unbelievable. I mean, it, it wouldn't be sustained over a full... I don't listen, look, I'm not, you know, completely bemused um, into a false sense of reality here. But, you know, we're on course from this six games for, to end the season on 82 points. In terms of goals scored, we'd end the season with 82 goals scored, which would exceed our best ever goal return by over 25 goals. I mean, it's a really good time to be a Palace fan. And what I'm hoping is the club use it as the wonderful springboard that this will provide for a new manager, for a new cohort of new signings to come in to supplement an already decent looking squad for the club to move on. I do think the extension of this spell for Roy would probably undo some of the good that he's currently doing. I think there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot in that. I'm just wondering, actually, I've got another question on Roy that I'll come on to in a minute. It's interesting, but it feels like at, currently it's the most amount of caretakers that are here at the same time that I can remember in the Premier League. I'm sure. Jim, we're in, we're in an era, Jim, where interim managers are being sacked for another interim manager to come in. Yeah. Like it's, we are reaching new levels of. Yeah, I agree. But do you of, think we're job security of... or job insecurity for managers? Yeah, yeah. Insecurity. Do you think we're in a new era of oh my word, it's called again. Um of um where interims will become more more of a thing. <laughs> you just referred to another goal which makes Roy Hodgson being appointed look a million times better than Frank Lampard being appointed as interim manager. I mean he, he, I mean, yeah, 
Let's look at a game that we've both currently got on in the background here. Look how Roy has improved the team, the outcome of this season compared to all the other interim managers. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's by far the most impactful and most positive impact that any caretaker managers had this season. Um so it is it's a great time uh, for Palace. It's a great thing for Roy. He looks like he's just loving life. Um but I really hope that Forest game provides both us selfishly us but also him the opportunity to to have that moment because you know we we've talked in previous weeks while I think there's obviously a very very strong argument for for Steve Koppel, perhaps as the best Palace manageable time for for all the stuff he achieved as Palace manager, I do think Roy will will go down as perhaps the most important Palace manager. Yeah. I agree. Come in, Jim. Yeah, sorry. I think I've did I freeze there. You did a moment, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought, well, I've put him to sleep. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Well. Let's do this, the other Roy question really quickly, from Patrick Stevens. Hello, Patrick. Uh, who said, have I frozen again? No, 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 I'm here. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm just watching Frank Lampard's Chelsea not do anything on the football pitch. Oh, um, my God. Oh, my God. Is it three? It's three. Oh, is it Odegaard again? No, wait, no. I think I'm going to watch No. That was wow. carnage. They are... And we can leave this in. I mean, Lister, you know, Lister, honestly, just compare Roy to Lampard, you know, Chelsea's decision, oh, sorry, Tottenham's decision to keep Cellini in post. You know, whatever you think of Steve Parrish, that decision is more than vindicated and is even more vindicated with every passing Premier League match at the moment. I completely agree, but Steve did want Lampard two, two summers ago. Well, we, you know, well, he, did, well, he, he didn't get him. So he fortune favours the brave. Yeah, quite. <laughs> uh, but Lampard, you know, the reports were, I thought he was. Didn't want this, thought it was too big for Palace, basically, but um, yeah, we'd never go there now. Uh, this goal might be di- this goal now might be disallowed, but we will. No, I think it's going to be finished recording. Chelsea will have come back to win three two. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry. Let's yeah, carry on. Patrick Stevens' question. Um, Patrick. Uh, so I'm mesmerised by the absolute shambolic nature of Chelsea as well. Um, when Roy says he's not doing anything different to the last time he was manager. Yes. It's just that we have got more potent players now. Does that make people reflect on their opinions of his reputation for negativity? I don't have much to add to that. I agree with that entirely. I think what Roy's proving is that if he has a better calibre of player than he did at the end of his spell, then he's going to get the, the more positive results that we're currently seeing. The better players he's got versus the points that he gathers, I think there's a clear correlation throughout his initial spell at Palace and now this one. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Patrick's spot on. I completely agree. Um, right, back to you. Back 15, to me. 15 all. 15 all. Uh, okay. Rob Cormac Carpentry. There's your free shout-out. <laughs> Rob, if you're listening to Jim's... Imagine if he doesn't actually run a carpentry company. <laughs> Just a great double barrel. Name. <laughs> yeah. Does Jez Raksaki... Feature in the first team next season, Jim. Oh, I mean, uh, feature in the first team eleven, no. But you would be very disappointed, I guess, if you. Uh, I mean, it's only League One. Uh, love a little dig at Charlton on there, but um, I think if you're if you're Rexaki after that season and being voted player player of the year and and getting however many goal uh, contributions it is, um, you would probably be hoping 
nay expecting to be involved in the Palace first team squad next season and feel like you've earned that. The club might be looking at him thinking, do you know what, if he can do that again in the championship next season, well, then we've got a player on our hands. But Because um, it is a jump up from League One to the championship. But I think he's he can't have, he can't have asked for much more. And there's clearly an unbelievable talent there. Yeah. And, you know, God, imagine him. Well, firstly, firstly, you've then got, you've got, you know, if he if he can make the step up, then you've got a great replacement for Eze, Elise, Wilf. Um, but just even the the prospect of him interacting with those players on the pitch is is quite mouth watering. Yeah, I um, I, I don't really have a, a a strong opinion about whether he should feature or not next season. I guess it depends on what the club do as well as or or the, what the club do in terms of that part of the pitch. I, I think you know, Selzy and Dom. I think it's after the Everton game in that post-match pod, there wasn't much to talk about in terms of the game. So it's really interesting. Listen, and you know, there's a nod to the page. And if for those of you that don't listen, there's some really good insight at the moment in terms of where the club's going, not just kind of reflecting on, on games. But they were talking about loans spells and, and how a player like Jez Raksaki has done exactly what the club would have wanted him to do yeah. this season and go to league one and absolutely rip it up. Um, the club would probably prefer that he now gets a loan move to a championship club and goes and shows that, okay, I'm progressing on my journey and I'm going to go and rip it up there. But maybe he's shown enough this season to show that, yeah, he probably could be fourth choice right wing. But then do you want to kind of stop him getting the game time that's seeing him flourish at the moment? I don't know. I'd imagine there'll be a queue of championship clubs looking at Jez Raksaki for next season. Um, Now for the club, even the clubs at the top of the league who won't go up this season, I, I, I dare say, a club like Sunderland, who have, have relied on Ahmed Diallo from the right-hand side, a loan signing from yeah. Man United. I'm sure they're looking at that part of the pitch and thinking, who could do that job for us next season? Well, perhaps the guy that's ripped it up in League One would be looking for another loan move. So I'm very excited to see what happens with Jess Raksaki. It is wonderful that a Palace player has won Charlton's player of the season. Uh, that is wonderful. Let's not ignore that. Uh, and also a quick shout-out to Killian Phillips, who won Shrewsbury's Young Player of the Season, despite only arriving in January. I think those two seem to be kind of the most likely to be benefiting from this loan situation. You know, Malcolm Abue has gone to Hull, not much to write home about there. Uh, Rob Street is also at Shrewsbury, not much to write home about there. Scott Banks has done okay during an injury ravaged season at Bradford. Um, but Jez and, and Killian seem to be the ones that have really benefited from loan spells. Um, and I know, dare say, um, will be playing first team football next season. I think probably more likely to be playing championship loans next season I agree although quite a few other Premier League teams although the team I'm thinking of is Southampton maybe that's not a great example have been blooding youngsters Everton as well not not, not a good example either but uh, so it can be done at this level but um, you'd expect them to be squad players at the most but we'll see the future is very uh, exciting Um, we're already at 55 minutes mate I know this is just this is easy isn't it did you have Um, any question you wanted to finish shall we do one more there's a there's a couple. One I might say for for um, winners and losers. Um, okay. There's tra- well, there's transfer question. Do we care about transfers? Well, there's one. Yeah, there's a transfer question. I mean, you just oh. talked about Southampton. Uh, Anna Mondrell, number one target. Each member of the panel would like to see Palace sign in the summer. Now that we've secured the beautiful forty points. I, I only ask that because you just mentioned Southampton, and I think their recruitment's been so good in terms of signing players that perhaps needed complementing with more experienced players but have shown enough at the Premier League level to yeah. know that maybe they are good enough 
I'll be looking at a few of Southampton's players. Bellicott, um, Chap and Lavia are the two that... They're the two that I've got written down here. Yeah, yeah that, I, I mean, obviously the, the transfer uh, recruitment, the recruitment side of things will be a lot broader than um, just looking at teams that have gone down. But if that's the kind of start of a 10, then I think that type of signing... I'd imagine Romeo Lavia, though, will have Champions League clubs looking at him. Yeah, prob- probably. Would you not think? Probably. I mean, it all comes down to... to... If you can't offer European, it comes down to sort of money, essentially, doesn't it? And clubs like Palace yeah. can compete now with, with certainly with European clubs when it comes to money, but you can't obviously offer European chances in terms. And offer of London, money. London life, though. And offer London, Beckenham, you know, and South Norwood, yeah, South Norwood. You can offer Henge. Uh, Inferno, Henge, Infernos in Clapham. Come on, you're going to get Come that by an eye. Um, um, the player that I, I think I said this on the previous pod. Uh, the player that I really like and I think would fit into Palace or would have done last season in the Gallagher hole um, is Aronson from Leeds. I think he's got... Uh, I heard you say that. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure about it. I think he's a little bit lightweight. Oh, I think he's got that. I think he's got... I think he's... I think he's struggled in a in a, in a terrible Leeds team. Um, but... I'd have Tyler Adams. Qualities. I'd have Tyler Adams yeah. over, over Aronson. But then he plays in a very similar... Oh, Totally. But of the two, I think Tyler Adams has um, has probably shown a little bit more in the Premier League. Um, well, I mean, the, play, the the other player, obviously, that look, I'd probably take over both of those is is McKinney. But I can't imagine he he probably goes back to Juve, can't? Or if he comes back to Premier League, uh, uh, he is he's on the beach. Leeds fans are livid. Are they? Uh, yeah, that has not worked out well. He got very very heavily criticised for his role in the four one defeat of Bournemouth the other day. Interesting. Interesting. Big, I mean, with big reputations come the harder fall. And, you know, there was a lot of expectation on that type of loan signing. And, and you know, we, we haven't kind of gone into that market recently for the big European club to say who who's available. Um, yeah, Leeds. Yeah, Leeds is better. We could talk about Leeds uh, a lot because they're just so, so weird at the moment. But, um, yeah, I, I, in answer to your question, Anna, probably someone from Southampton. <laughs> what, which, who isn't James Ward-Prowse? As much as we all secretly... Would love him at Palace. He would never. He, he's just not going to come. He's going to go to a big club like Palace. <laughs> I know we all hate him, but I mean, he is he is quality. He is absolute quality. We need to defend set pieces, not think about attacking them. That's what we need to do. <laughs> uh, should we attack part three? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, it's just it's just too easy. Uh, part three is we'll do a really brief winners and losers. Winners and winners. <laughs> winners and winners. All right. To the Puppy Plan Podcast. We... We... It's quite fun doing away. I don't normally get to do it. Um, you can do it every week. Do I don't. I normally just let the panel do it. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, maybe I do. I've, I'm losing. I'm losing my mind. Uh, winners and losers, or as you said, winners and winners. Oh, oh, let's do quick, quick losers. Actually, get them out of it. Quick losers are that whoever's in charge of the turnstiles or the electronics. Oh yeah, good shout. I think they're whatever company runs that. We'll be getting a strongly worded email 
this week from Palace. Um, <laughs> Struggling. Certainly, certainly from Magic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, they're probably the main losers. There, there isn't really anyone else, I don't think, that falls into No. Hey, can I do a shout-out to um, to a group of uh, a group of winners? Um, Crystal Palace, uh, women's side, finished their season yesterday. Yeah. Um, finished the season fifth. Uh, similar points points total to last season, but ended the season really, really well. Three wins in the last five, which saw them kind of strive into that top half of the table. Um, so really, um, yeah, good season to kind of consolidate upon last year's good form. Um, um, it's such a difficult league to get out, though, the Women's Championship, because there's only one promotion spot. Yeah. Um, and typically the, the team that comes down from um, kind of the top tier is immediately the favourite to go back up because they have the greater resources. So, um, yeah, great achievement for Palace to uh, to finish in the top half of the table. I know um, some of our listeners do follow um, the, the team as well, home and away. So um, their season's now finished uh, and uh, summer ahead of women's football, the Women's World Cup starts this summer. Um, in Australia and New Zealand, um, but England go with a rather injury-ravaged core to the team. Leah Williamson, yeah, Leah Williamson, now out, and Frank Kirby announced today that she won't be going. But yeah, there, um, there's your football fix for the summer, guys. Yes, that'll be. I mean, that'll be really, really good. And um, you're absolutely right about the uh, the women's top flight and the gap between that and the championship. It is um, it is driven by money, really, and it is difficult yeah. for clubs with resources or Palace, which actually puts into context how well they've done this season actually to get that to get that fifth place finish really good um, yeah so it would be lovely we'd all love to see the palace women's team break into the the top flight but it is it is incredibly difficult um but they got they got a fantastic squad there um full of really lovely people there's a real sort of like positive vibe there and and i know they're really close to their fans mm-hmm. um and the fans that go and support them are fantastic and you see a lot of photos of them, their banners and stuff so they got a real good thing going on there um and i think we should um we should definitely try and get some of the the women's players on next season as well, because um, it was great having Lee on on last season. So yeah. um, we'll do yeah. more of that definitely. Um, and yeah, and I think as well, you know, if you get a chance to go and see a Palace, because uh, on the Sundays their games, uh, yeah. do go and see it because I think it's. Um, I was going to come and see them when they played Watford away because Watford play around the corner from us, uh, and I was going to take my daughter, and I didn't get around to it. And next season, um, I'm intending to do more of that. Uh, so I think it'd good. be yeah, be good. And what, you, as you what, say, to go and watch Whitford women, to go and watch Whitford women. women. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I gotta yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, no. Palace. I meant Palace. Uh, not, not yeah, Whitford. of course. Um, of course. Any more winners? Well, I mean, I feel like from? plenty. I mean, I, I will mention Joel Ward again, but I don't think there's much more to say about Joel. Um, yeah, just great to see him kind of top of his form. I mean, some people did say on on social media on on so that's probably his best performance for a good few seasons. And I don't think there's many that would disagree with that. I thought he was absolutely excellent. Um, you know, he was playing with great confidence towards the end of last season. Uh, he was asked to drop in at centre-half a couple of times and seemed to be at the kind of peak of his powers. But yeah, something about Saturday's performance. Um, yeah, good. And his use of the balls seems to have improved as well. So yeah, um, really pleased to see that. Uh, winner... I'm going to go check Decore. We've we've not really focused on check Decore enough, I don't think, um, yeah. so far in this episode. I thought he was absolutely outstanding, and I think he's ending the season really, really strongly. Um, and in answer, I kind of touched upon a, a previous question. He probably would be my choice for player of the season right now. I think to have adapted to a new league as well as he's done, um, he may well have lost his way a little bit in the middle part of the season, but <laughs> who didn't? And... Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, I think he's ended the season really, really well. He doesn't look anywhere near as isolated as he did at certain points. It doesn't look like picking up a yellow card at the moment compared to the kind of points of the season where he was collecting them for fun. So I'm really pleased to see how well he's adapted. Um, and yeah, as we kind of talked about before the World Cup, that that signing looks a better signing week on week. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because Walker dot Mark fourteen. Uh, hey Walker, Mark. Walker or Mark? Yeah. Uh, it says, would Decorey be player of the season? I think he's been our most consistent player this season. So someone else that agrees, and he has been absolutely fantastic. I think the new structure of that midfield three with Eze and Schlupp in there has helped massively. Um, <clears throat> but he has been absolutely superb, and we could tell straight away, couldn't we, when he signed, there was a player in there, and um, for sure. And obviously, he was playing the role of, you know, three players at the start. But the balance is better now. And I think you're seeing a more accomplished and all, all round, well-rounded performance, I think, from, yeah. from Decorio week in, week out. So yeah. definitely up there for player of the season. I, I still, I think if it was me, well, I mean, it literally could be. Um, we were all invited to vote. Um, <laughs> I never do because I can't be bothered. But um, uh, Elise probably gets probably gets my vote. Okay. Although, um, okay. You know, obviously hasn't. I said patches of form, but as I said, the whole the whole team did. And, and he won't win it. And he's my winner this week, and he won't win player of the season, but may well be in the mix. And he won't be, actually, because his form has been hit miss. But just, it's just lovely seeing Jeffrey Schlupp enjoy his football. I just really, uh, really warms my heart. Um, yeah, and he was fantastic again. And he, Jeff, you know, if we're talking about quote-unquote when people win winners or, or Jeff just wins I think when he has a good performance I feel like he genuinely from a personal point of view really wins from that if that makes sense I think mm-hmm. you can clearly see that it, it, he he cares and it matters to him um, well I would say season, it, but he, me, he's, he's up there yeah I think that's a fair shout I, I think he he's certainly in, in recent weeks he's been really at the top of his game um, yeah he, he won't be near kind of player of the season territory but um his his willpower to you know still stay focused and despite you know all the kind of air about him um not really being at the level that we would want him to be at i think says a lot about his professionalism um it's funny you say that about his kind of recent run of form his performance at west ham in november was outstanding and up, and up to kind of roy coming in that was his standout performance of the season for me so it's it's really interesting to see kind of the reverse fixture he was very very good on saturday but it doesn't really stand out because he's in a really good run of form kind of currently anyway so it didn't stick out as bloody hell Jeffrey Schlutz played well today um yeah credit to Jeff uh I'm really pleased and you know there's a contract renewal already in place for next season and he will continue to add value to the squad if utilized properly I think truth be told what we're seeing here are you know as well as Roy was doing with these players or has done with these players it's clear that some of these players just were not responding to Patrick Vieira and his coaching staff's methods that's that's the crude truth of it and um yeah jeff is very much uh one of them but yeah good 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 shout anyone else should we should we do another one each very quickly anyone else i mean you could you could do either center back um, yeah yeah tyreek tyreek has quietly gone we said that our southampton we've gone about yeah. refinding his form and been superb yeah um which is again another player you're really pleased for you know he's a quiet lad he gets Goes on about his business, but you could you could visibly see the confidence drain out of him last season when he had that run. Um, but it's back, and it's just it's lovely to see. We, we've got quite a few. Same with Jordan to a different extent. I mean, Jordan is a is a is a is a moody old so and so, um, 
Only he would take his shirt off after 20 minutes, as you say. Um, and 15. Miserable. 15. <laughs> but, you know, I still get the impression that playing well for Palace and, and, and these things matter. And, and you know, there, there wasn't even really a flicker of a smile when he won player of the season. But I think he, he's a serious individual, Jordan. Yeah. But I think playing well and, and actually winning the fans over, even if he doesn't show it, I'd imagine he's the sort of person that goes home and does allow himself a wry smile now and then. I wonder if Jordan's mentality and that kind of gruffness that comes with him may come from his upbringing. You know, being the son of a an incredibly highly rated footballer. Um, Pressure was probably on him. From a... Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure Jordan is very happy with the career that he's had and he's built himself a wonderful career in life. Um, but his dad was a Ballon d'Or winner. Is that right? Did Oh, is his dad? Let's just maybe double check. But I, I do think, well, you know, him and Andre, his brother, have probably grown up in the the shadow of their father, who's an absolute icon in in African football. Um, so I do wonder whether Jordan Ayew's kind of yeah you know, apparent gruffness and his kind of miserable nature probably comes from the fact that he's just striving for the highest of standards. That that's how I've started to look upon Jordan Ayew, but kind of loving for it to be honest. <laughs> um, right, according to Google, the first hit on Google, so which comes from Facebook. So take of that what you will. Um, Jesus. Abdi, Abdi <laughs> Pele, Abdi Ayu Pele, I should say, give his full name, um, was the first player to win African Ballon d'Or, which was awarded okay. by uh, France Football Magazine, which I think was the same publication that awarded the original Ballon d'Or, I think. It was, yeah. Go on. Oh, on three sec- consecutive occasions oh, there you in go. 1993. So there you go. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right in terms of. Uh, was that when he was stat- playing, when he was playing for Marseille? I I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he comes from, uh, yeah, a very high-calibre footballing family. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Um, That's about everyone, isn't it? That's all 11 11 players. We've probably undercooked the the love for maybe Wilf and uh, and Ebbs. Ebbs' form goes from strength to strength. Um, I was watching the coverage of Leicester Everton last night. People waxing lyrical about James Madison. I don't see James Madison doing anything that Ebbs doesn't do. I do think maybe if there was an England squad to be called up right now, I think Ebbs would be um, maybe unfairly pushed aside if James Madison was to get a spot. But as I've said previously, I'm not too bothered about Ebbs' international credentials. I want him focusing on his form in red and blue. I think we need to see a bit more of a prolonged period. But he's in a wonderful vein of form at the moment. And I hope we see more of it between now and the end of the season. Completely agree. I, another player we've got we've got a whole crop of them players that you love seeing do well for Palace yeah just love to see happy faces wearing red and blue yeah uh, that's winners and losers basically every player at Palace uh, done for this week uh, we'll do more of that next week uh, but right now quick break when we come back Spurs away Welcome back to the Fabric Fan Podcast. We Pod 471. It's now time for our preview section. And as we're all aware, very big event this Saturday uh, in London involving the Palace. Um, and that is, of course, Spurs versus Palace uh, uh, on 3 p.m. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else nice. there. about uh, Topical. I was going to say involving a, a, an elder statesman, but, but that, that seems a bit unfair. On both. <laughs> both. 
on both. Is 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 Roy? He's a couple of years older than the the soon to be. Well, he is, is currently he? king. I think so. I think so. Yeah, Roy seventy. Isn't is Prince Charles? Yeah, seventy four. Oh, listeners don't care. Our Republican listeners have turned off. Yeah, indulge in the and I don't blame them. I don't. Indulge in the aristocracy, are you? Yeah, sorry, we wanted to play around with the palace pun, and we've ended yeah. up going down the bloody royal family history. But yeah, yeah, he is seventy-four. Yeah, you're right. He's older than the king. Older than the king. Um, yeah. But anyway, Spurs away. I mean, Spurs are. We've been watching Chelsea now. Spurs are an absolute basket case as well. Although I've shown in the last couple of games a little bit of sort of fighting spirit in there, but. They're defensively are an absolute shambles, but it is Palace at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which of course means that Harry Kane will get a hat trick. <laughs> yeah, I, I joke that Harry Kane is going to break Alan Shearer's Premier League record by, by scoring consolation goals um, between it. now and the end of next season. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the face of it, given their form, there is probably more hope than uh, expectation that we do go there and, and maybe get a result. I think Spurs might turn up this Saturday. Oh, a horrible, horrible feeling that, you know, they, they will kind of fight back from the ridiculous game on Sunday at Anfield where they snatched defeat from the jaws of a of a draw and in what Gary Neville rightly called the... Did he say it was the most Spurs moment? Something like that? I don't know, but I, I would agree with it. Something along those lines. Um, yeah, I, I have a horrible feeling that Spurs will show up. Um, but that's not to say that that will have enough to to outdo us. But I think it will be a proper game. I don't think there's any idea that it'll be a walkover for Palace. And uh, yeah, we'll see. It's it's the only stadium, um, kind of of the big six. Well, Spurs away, including White Hart Lane and Wembley. I don't think we've won away since we've been promoted. So it's kind of one of those that you'd like to tick off and you'd probably think there won't be many better times for us to um, to go and do that, given our current form and, and Spurs' problems. But it'll be a tough game. Um, I'm looking forward to, to going. It's the first time I'll be in the away end at, at that new stadium. Um, and I expect a decent game. The only issue, as was announced earlier today on Tuesday, is the referee is Darren England. You could say that about any ref, though. No, Darren England is a notch above Jim. Is he? Yes. Is he worse than Craig Paulson? Yes. Wow. Craig Paulson's just overseen Palace win 4-3. So, you know, he's currently on the good good side of things. But, um, yeah, there's something about Darren England. Um, I've just never seen him have a good game, whether it's Palace or anyone else. I think he's out of his depth. Well, I think in that case, we can we can go with low expectations on Saturday. Um, and then you don't want to be... as a bonus. Yeah, but you don't want to, do you? You know, there no, is a... It is Palace. We'll take, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I think I, I think we'll give them a game. I think we'll I think we game. will too. There, there, there is actually a chance that they could do something. Um, but defensively, they are horrible. They are horrible, and top four has gone for them now. So yeah. and, and and as we're safe, you know, we can play a bit of a cliche, isn't it? But like, but a bit of freedom, you know, no pressure yeah. on us really. Um, but our history suggests we will get turned over. But you you never know. And you're right about not winning there in the league since we got promoted. Yeah. There was a nil-nil, wasn't there, under Warnock? I think we probably should have... Or and Pardew? A couple of nil-nils, I think. No, nil-nil. I went to a nil-nil there where that was the game where Yannick Balassi performed yeah. that amazing bit of skill. Yeah. Well, we probably should have won that one. That was maybe a chance to... Should have won that. And famously, Martin Kelly uh, with yeah. the... Uh, with the winner in the fifth round of the cup, which I 
look back on as the game that someone in Spurs' PR department thought it was a good idea to get Alan Mullery to come out at <laughs> half time. But anyway, that's a someone different, hadn't, someone different story. Someone hadn't read, someone, someone hadn't read had Wikipedia. Had a, <laughs> yeah, a basic understanding of football history. But anyway, oh. um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we go along. I think just very quickly, it's probably, you know, given who we're playing, it's maybe a good chance just to reference the uh, ridiculous speculation that's linking Mark Gay with a move to uh, Spurs or Arsenal and, and Chelsea being referenced in recent days for figures of around 30 to 40 million. I mean, if that guy does go, we are going to be looking for a very significant yeah. purchase given the the likely sell on to Chelsea, but also the, the the vast increase in his value since he's been playing for Crystal Palace. If, if clubs like Spurs and Arsenal think they're getting him for anything less than 60 million, I'd, I'd be very surprised. I completely agree. And Spurs have a history of, of paying a lot of money. I was about to say overpaying. It wouldn't even be overpaying. The guy is quality. Wouldn't be overpaying um, for, for Mark Gay. No, not no. at all. But we'll see. I mean, we'll talk, I'm mean, i sure we'll talk about more about that in, in the summer. We'll, we can do transfer specials and, and stuff. We'll see. But as for now, uh, we will leave you um, ahead of that game. Jack, thanks for coming on this two-hander. Hey. <laughs> yes. If that's the technical term. Soon? I'm sure we'll get hey, five stars. I'm just looking forward to, to hearing what you're going to play out with this week. Well, oh, what should it what should it be? Well, we'll um, see. We'll see in a matter of seconds, listener. We will see. Okay, yeah, exactly. Uh, but until then, have, enjoy the rest of your week, listeners. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again. Well, patrons will get a post-match pod, of course, at the weekend. And then we'll see you next week. Uh, but right now, we're going to play out with this. Podcast Network.